sisters, and welcome to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD. Sirak and I have been taking CBD and we are loving it. I'm holding the tincture right now. Talin, can you open your mouth, please? Now? Yeah, I'm going to give you a dosage. <laughs> now, keep it there for 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. While she does that, let me tell you the great benefits of CBD for PCOS. Studies show it reduces cortisol. Mm improves insulin sensitivity, mm -hmm. reduces inflammation. Mm -hmm. You can go to PureSpectrumCBD.com now to order and use the code THESISTERHOOD, one word, at checkout for 20% off. Natalia, hold it for 30 seconds longer while the sisters enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to A Sister and Her Mister, a podcast where we show you the real behind the scenes of how we balance the PCOS lifestyle in our marriage, gluten and dairy-free. I'm Talene, your fellow sister and registered dietitian. And I'm Sirak, husband, engineer, and PCOS personal trainer. We're going to make PCOS a little less overwhelming and a lot more fun. Okay, three, two, one. Welcome, sisters, to episode number 32. Welcome, sisters. Thank you for listening. Yes, this one's a little bit different than the recent episodes. It's just us two again. Again. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of interviews recently, just trying to bring a lot more, you know, uh, doctors and authors onto the podcast. We even did a interview with a fellow sister last week, just, you know, inspire and motivate other six sisters on, you know, the successes that are happening out there. Yeah, I bet her story is super relatable to so many sisters out there listening. I certainly related to a lot of things that she was saying on that podcast. I was just nodding my head the whole time. Yeah, I mean, the experience she went through from being diagnosed to finding out what worked for her, not to mention the prescriptions that she was diagnosed. It's like, it's what a lot of sisters go through. So I think that was one of my favorites, you know? Yeah, I think that's my favorite podcast really? episode. <laughs> because she Now talks we're naming favorites, huh? <laughs> Now we have so many podcast episodes. I know. We can have a favorite. I mean, once we have a, uh, so many people that we've interviewed, it's going to be hard to pick a favorite. You're going to be I picking know. you're going to be picking sides here. Every book that I pick up now, I feel like I want to talk to the author. Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, we have a podcast. Let's get this author on." <laughs> like I picked up Wheat Belly the other day, and then there was this other book, Gluten Freedom. And they're really sciencey. Like after a while, I can't. That's a way to say it. Sciencey. Sciencey. Like it's nighttime. I'm relaxing. Like I want a little bit of like information about gluten, but I can't fully read it like all night. So I have to swap over to another book. And I started like an autobiography by Lucy Lucille Ball. Yeah, you were telling me about <laughs> it yesterday. Opposite. I didn't even know Lucille Ball and who was the guy? What's the guy's name? Um, in the oh, show, gosh. Ricky. I didn't know Ricky, Lucy yeah. and Ricky were actually married in real life, and, and then they divorced during the show was happening. And yeah. then Talian was telling me all this last night as like we're we're about to go to sleep, and I was yeah. like, wow. And it turns out that Lucille. Oh, should I just go on a tangent? Just go for it. She wrote this book, autobiography about herself, and she hid it from everyone because she wanted to come out while she was alive or while her ex-husband was alive, Ricky, um, because it was maybe embarrassing. There was like too many juicy details in it. So she hid it and her kids had no idea. And they were trying to like, you know, figure out what to do with all of the memorabilia from I Love Lucy. And like people wanted an autobiography or a biography about her. 
And then they found it in like a dusty box in their attic or something. That's probably the best autobiography ever because like everybody writes on autobiography to be released and to get like, you know, more and more famous basically. But she she wrote it and she never like released it. And the fact that it was found later makes me more interested. I'm so excited. I only got through the foreword and then like a couple of pages. (laughs) There's only so much a girl can read at night. Well, yeah. Well, that's a that sounds like a fun book you're about to go get into. So let me know how it goes. I'll let you guys know in the next episode. Yeah, and for those wondering, no, this is not a book club <laughs> or anything like that. It was a podcast all about PCOS. But you know, for most of this podcast episodes, it's just been us two. But you know, we're gonna slowly start to bring in more people to interview. But don't worry, we'll still keep this dynamic yeah. going. We're still gonna have episodes that are just us two babbling. Yeah, babbling. You know, <laughs> trying to teach you, teach you scissors about PCOS and more. But you know, as we expand, we'll have more and more people on the podcast to interview, not just Zoom calls. Hopefully, when this whole Corona thing yeah. is over, we can go and actually travel to their yeah. look, to their offices, to wherever, so it can be more. You know more in the in the field as they say in the biz i would love that i would love to travel to people's offices or like other states yeah. and oh, like yeah. actually we had one plan yeah. to go to harvard yeah. harvard university to interview a doctor and a and a um, t- uh, professor mm-hmm. and it was right before corona and we yeah. just we obviously couldn't go yeah so we're, we're still gonna plan that one out so it'll happen feel free to message us if you recommend anyone that we should get in touch with yes oh yeah of course uh but um so today's episode uh, before we get into that uh tune in for the um, end of this episode where we're going to answer some questions from the hotline so we're going to play some questions uh you might hear your own voice that were <laughs> that were left on the pcos hotline and we're going to answer them on the podcast and if you're wondering the hotline is one eight three three ask PCOS where you can leave your question or testimonial, and we're planning on pretty much playing them um, throughout all the podcast episodes. Yeah, and on Instagram too. Yeah, yeah, I hope you guys saw on Instagram story a few weeks ago, Sirak dancing to Hotline Bling. Hotline Bling. I was basically mimicking how so Drake funny. was dancing in the, you know, in that Hotline in Bling the video, video, the, the intro. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to do it right now. That but. was. I know the song is like stuck in my head. Yeah. So, <laughs> without that being done, how does that how does without, that saying go? Without with all that being done and said. That, okay. Yeah. Sure. English Master was of our intros. second language. Okay. <laughs> English was my second language. It was, it was your first mine. language. No, no. I learned Armenian at home oh, with the true. family, and then I went to school, and I was like speaking Armenian to teachers, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know how to say fork. <laughs> okay all right now we're babbling (laughs) uh so this podcast uh we've had a lot of you know new followers a lot of new listeners to this podcast and our instagram and other platforms so we want to kind of go over why we recommend the gluten and dairy-free diet for pcos or why we recommend you should you should try as a diet and lifestyle change and we're also going to go over the common myths but also the common questions that are that are asked about uh, gluten dairy-free and you know just kind of do a do a whole episode on this yeah because a lot of people um sometimes when you tell them you're gluten and dairy free and they say certain things like oh it's only for celiac disease or not everyone has to go gluten and dairy free with pcos or like what's the research we have a very well developed response that you can give them or Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure you're also wondering as well if you're new to the podcast especially so yes like sirak said before we launch into all of that 
we want to talk about gluten and dairy free. Yeah. So, babe, can you give us a brief or just a, you know, a summary of why you recommend gluten and dairy free diet for women with PCOS and, you know, what are the reasons for it? All right. My elevator pitch. <laughs> yes, the elevator speech. So, basically, with gluten and dairy free, what you're trying to do is manage insulin levels and inflammation, and ultimately you'll manage stress and you know chronic um, autoimmune thyroid illnesses as well. And these are all root issues of PCOS. So here's the thing: with dairy, it has insulin-like growth factor in it, and this is a hormone that triggers high insulin levels when we eat dairy. And what happens when we eat? Uh, you can even consider dairy a carb sometimes because for some people it can really have a high insulin response in your body. And yeah. what happens is that high amount of insulin bombards your cell and makes it more insulin resistant. And that means that insulin is left floating around in the bloodstream instead of doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is picking up the sugar in the bloodstream and giving it to your cells to burn for energy. So you can lose weight, so you have good cell metabolism and so on. So what happens is insulin goes to your ovaries, triggers high testosterone, and you get all of these, you know, re reaction, you know, symptoms of PCOS, acne, hair loss, mm -hmm. weight gain, mood issues, so on and so forth. And not just that, what happens to the sugar that's not able to be metabolized by your cell is it goes and it stores as fat, maybe fatty liver around your organs and so on. So, and then we have uncontrollable gain, weight gain. Mm -hmm. And even if you cut calories, even if you're eating foods that are triggering this type of hormonal reaction in your body, then you're going to end up gaining weight no matter what. So gluten also has an effect on our insulin levels. It can cause a lot of inflammation and gut issues. And what happens when your cells are inflamed is, again, they're resistant to insulin. And this whole thing that I explained happens. Mm -hmm. um, not just that, it triggers leptin hormone, which is the hormone that tells us when we're full. It triggers that to be less sensitive. And what happens is we end up not knowing when we're full and we want to eat more and eat more and eat more. And I've even seen this with patients mm -hmm. who have like this uncontrollable craving for food all the time. They're never full because it's so unsatisfying because yeah. this leptin hormone is not sensitive enough to detect that you are eating, that you should stop eating and so on because gluten um, decreases leptin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And so that's gluten. We talked about dairy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we should. Uh, that was <laughs> great. Go, babe. Keep going. That was keep a great for explanation. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> there's a lot more to it, obviously, but we do have other podcast episodes about this as well, um, like our gluten and dairy free podcast episode. I think that was like number seven. Not exactly sure. And we had another one just a couple months ago. So to hear more and more details, definitely go and go back and listen to those two. But we'll also, you know, give you some more information as we go along throughout this podcast. Mm -hmm. So why don't we? go into um, what some people's arguments are about going against or uh, against going gluten and dairy free. You know, some people argue that only people with celiac disease should cut out gluten. Well, is that really yeah. the case? No, because there's a lot of research since discovering celiac disease about non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And yeah. it's, you know, books 
are written about it. Wheat belly. And then there's gluten freedom. And that's by Alessio Fasano, who yeah. is top researcher on gluten sensitivity. Yeah. And according to the Center for Research, non-celiac gluten sensitivity can affect up to 6 to 30 percent of the population. Mm-hmm. So up to 30 percent of, of the, the population, population. Yeah. Can be can have a gluten sensitivity that is non-celiac. Mm-hmm. So and especially when you um, talk about an autoimmune disease, which we'll get to later, this gluten can have a direct impact on it. Yeah, and there have been studies on the impact of wheat and gluten on autoimmune issues, and we'll definitely go into that. Yeah, that's our next uh, point. But we should also mention, like, we were talking about this, me and you, babe, right before the podcast started, how the wheat molecule has changed. Yeah. It used to be, like, obviously, like, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know, when the mass production of, you know, agriculture and all that stuff was being developed, they changed the, the strain of wheat mm-hmm. and it became the wheat stalks became like tougher and, you know, they became longer. And the reason is because they are able to survive better yeah. during, you know, gr- during the growing season and mm-hmm. things like that. But infestations. And yeah, for infestations. Pesticides. And, exactly. And so, exactly. So you're not using pesticides because the wheat itself can yeah. deter bugs and stuff. But what this does is it makes the wheat harder to digest. So now you're... Talin just smacked her face with the <laughs> microphone. Um, only 32 episodes in. <laughs> but uh, basically, this wheat is now harder for your stomach to digest. It almost is like like gum. Like imagine your body, your stomach is trying to digest this gum-like thing. And it's having a hard time. And it's giving you like Ew. bowel issues and things like that. And not to mention inflammation. Because the body thinks that something foreign is inside your digestive tract and it's now attacking itself so awful so yeah I mean, obviously this doesn't happen to like all, all <laughs> the time but, but it could it, it could, could yeah these are the reasons and why people have gluten 30%. sensitivities i mean there's so much research on gluten sensitivity non-celiac gluten sensitivity books here on this coffee table yeah if you're watching our youtube channel yeah. <laughs> um yeah so anyone who says celiac if you don't have celiac you don't have to cut out gluten then they have not done the research. And mm-hmm. I just saw a meme about this that said, like, don't talk about something that you barely know anything about. Oh. I'm like summarizing yeah. the meme and it was actually like a political one. But don't form an opinion about something if you haven't fully done the research Very about true. it. Especially when the only the only um, response is there's not enough research. What are you saying? Yeah, like that, that is such a <laughs> vague a thing to say. Someone wrote a book about non-celiac gluten sensitivity. How yeah. much more research do you want? Yeah, so that goes on to our next thing is that people say there's no research on the link between PCOS and gluten sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know how hard that is to do? <laughs> what, Let's just wait until yeah. they finally do a research study on what, this. What you would have to do <laughs> no. to literally test it is you would have to take women who have PCOS. You would have to measure their blood sugar, their symptoms, and then you would have to compare you, those with the same exact, mm-hmm. like basically blood levels and all that to women who ate wheat and those who didn't. So you're uh-huh. basically comparing blood samples of women with PCOS who are eating wheat. And not eating wheat. And then normal, you know, people without PCOS who are eating wheat and not eating wheat. And like, 
a hu- you need a huge population of people to test to get some good results. And who's yeah. going to fund all of this? You yes. tell me. And that's the problem too. Like not to just uh, go into gluten dairy free, but with PCOS, the problem is that there's not enough research, not, enough, not research. enough funding that is being given, which is very unfortunate. I see this a lot of times with women's health. It oh, makes yeah. me really like angry about this because, yeah. you know, I feel like if it was a men's disease, they'd be like throwing money you into said it, it, you know? Like, I'm being honest here. Like, yeah, I'm, a man, I'm a man myself and I could see it literally like happening yeah. that not enough funding is being given I can't to these believe kinds of it things. Because women go through so much hormonally yeah. in a lifetime between menstruation and childbirth and post-childbirth and um, menopause. And, you know, yeah. frankly, there's not enough light being shed for any on of those. All of these. Yeah. Like, what do they what do they just do? Oh, here's birth control is going to fix everything. Whereas they've the been comments, finding that is doing so much worse. Yeah. The comments that we're seeing on posts about, you know, your experiences at doctor's office are fully traumatizing. Yeah. And totally. like this, if that's the research that doctors have obtained and that's the knowledge that they're giving their patients, then there's a problem with the amount yeah. of research being done. Mm hmm. Totally. Okay. And tangent. Um, What was the next thing? Oh, yeah. Research suggests that people with chronic inflammatory or immune conditions show... I mean, should try removing gluten. One study showed that in women with endometriosis, 80% saw improvement in symptoms when they removed gluten. That's very interesting because that is also an autoimmune condition. Yes. And so is PCOS. So is PCOS. I've heard that it isn't and then i've heard that it is so i'm not fully like you know, oh yeah i'm not understanding like is it or isn't because it seems oh, yeah. like it is like, it's been what categorized is as a metabolic syndrome yeah. but also they say pcos is also an autoimmune condition so it's not like it's it's that part of it is confusing is yeah. it an autoimmune condition or is it not but yeah there's like both sides to it but basically the study said that people with immune conditions should cut out gluten at least try and right and see what happens not to mention 25 percent of women with pcos have antibodies to the thyroid gland known as hashimoto's thyroiditis so it would definitely benefit them who have thyroid issues and mm-hmm. PCOS to go gluten free. Yeah. So are we just going to gloss over this and say that it's going to work for women with endometriosis yeah. and thyroid issues, but not PCOS? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, like I, I really wish there was a research that would pinpoint or at least relate this to PCOS or something, some sort yeah. of paper that would really make these things clear. So... There is research that shows gluten can cause leaky gut, and we've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. uh, damaging the intestinal wall and your immune response and resulting in inflammation. And it is well known that inflammation is the underlying cause for all types of PCOS. And if that's the case and gluten's linked to it, why not try to cut it out and see if that's going to help? Not to mention insulin being also another one of those underlying root causes of PCOS. So with doing gluten and dairy free, you're You're really targeting both. You're targeting inflammation and you're targeting insulin resistance. Two of the main, 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 if I can say one more time, main main driving factors of PCOS. Also keep in mind that when you have inflamed cells, okay, and you're eating these things that are causing inflammation, they are insulin resistant 
as a yeah. result. So it just goes hand in hand mm -hmm. all together. And then it, it um, triggers stress hormones and stress hormones trigger more inflammation. And now we have like a plethora of underlying issues going on all because of the foods you're choosing to eat. Not how much, not the calories, you know, not all of these things mm -hmm. that everyone thinks, all these doctors think that it is. Yeah. And then before we go on to the next point, I just want to say one last thing about research. Again, it is very hard to yeah. do research on specific topics, not to mention research is always funded Funded by organizations by or people who are involved in that thing. For example, the eh, dairy, eh, eh, the dairy eh. council is that what they're called? The dairy yeah. council, the dairy lobby, lobbying people. people. They basically have put so much money into making sure that milk and dairy products are seen as super healthy and are are, are basically On crucial the food pyramid as crucial yeah. food items and like. As if you couldn't get calcium from something else. Yeah, so it's just like, just be aware too. Like when you see some research and it kind of is showing something as good, like just ask yourself, who is funding this research? Is there someone gaining something mm -hmm. from this research? So like, just, just have that in mind. And it's not always the case. You know, there are, there are great research studies out there that are not biased, that are just looking to find the truth. You know, like many universities do this. So just, just be aware and just keep your mind open for when you're seeing research as well. That's okay. right. Now, the third argument is you can't just tell everyone to go gluten free like it's the answer to PCOS. And, you know, that is true in itself that like there is no one stop solution yeah. for PCOS. Oh, not, yeah. There's not one thing that's going to work for 100 percent of all people. Mm -hmm. But there is one thing that will work. Diet and lifestyle change is one of the most important things for PCOS. Yes. But um, besides that, like, yes, it's true that that there's not one thing that will, you know, yeah. 100% work for everybody. That's why we're so positive on our page in terms mm -hmm. of the content that we release because we want to inspire people to investigate their health, whether it's going gluten and dairy-free or not. Like, if it's really not making a difference for you, I'm not here to, like, force you to do it. But keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things that you can try to help with your insulin levels and the underlying root issues of your PCOS. And like Dr. Padiguana said in the last episode we did with her, yeah. she said, keep your eye on the prize, insulin levels, focusing on lowering that. It could be through gluten and dairy-free. It could be through a low-carb diet. Yeah. Keep your mind open to... And so we, we definitely don't promote like gluten and dairy-free is the answer yeah you know and we don't promote like going into it is it. for some people <laughs> yeah i mean like well, we don't recommend going into it blindly as well i mean yeah you can you have to gauge your body see how you feel when you do gluten dairy-free if you're feeling better by like doing a couple of first steps you know maybe you removed bread gluten gluten bread maybe you removed milk dairy milk then you're feeling better well that's a sign that maybe you take it up a notch yeah don't like, you think it's cheaper to just go gluten and dairy free rather than jumping through so yeah all that's the thing like hoops. All, yeah there's doctors and like other health coaches yeah. who you know they say go first get a blood hormone test. test yeah and not like, to you mention blood no answers hormone test blood yeah. work going into the doctor's office you know like there's a lot of costs yeah. sometimes it can cost up to 500 600 dollars uh-huh and more. you still don't have advice because all you have is data you yeah know? and then you have to pay for coaching and then and what do they like say that. they say oh go take birth control afterwards a doctor yeah. or something a doctor might say yeah that. Or obviously some, there are health coaches that are yeah. not just like that there are, there are health coaches and they give like great advice and yeah, this, yeah, yeah of course it's actually great to get a hormone test like i'm not trying to say that's bad but 
I think that that should be like the second step. Just like first see if you can do some, you know, things on your own. Yeah, like any diet change will help. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, that didn't work. We need to do a bit more investigation, invest in your health a little bit more. Okay. And then four hundred dollars on a on a hormone test sounds like a good next yeah, step. <laughs> yeah. I really like that because if you're thinking about okay, like I need to do something, I need to get my blood work done. I need to get a hormone test. Okay. Well, let's first get your body, like your diet and lifestyle to maybe where it should be. Like if you're having maybe too much sugar, if you're having too much carbs, coffee, you know, coffee, if you're, and then like once you're knowledgeable about these things, you can try to remove them. Like our tip is to remove gluten and dairy free Mm -hmm. and see how it goes. So these things, once you remove them and then you have like a nice baseline, then getting a hormone or blood work test done is really going to pinpoint the exact like underlying issues with your body and with your, you know, with your blood work and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think that would be like a really good step in how you do things. Yeah. I mean, that's how we designed the sisterhood. We actually designed it so that the first step is to figure out your PCOS type based on your symptoms, do Mm -hmm. a little self-assessment and try to implement the lifestyle factors that aren't so expensive to implement. So, you know, sleeping better, screen time reduction or whatever it is. Like we have lots of tips for each PCOS type. Mm -hmm. And then we go into gluten and dairy free. Now, if that's not enough, certainly, like you said, get a hormone test. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to mention that many women with PCOS have eating disorders. And so this ties into how PCOS isn't for everyone with, I mean, how gluten and dairy free isn't for everyone with PCOS because it can be triggering. It can trigger restricting and binging type of behaviors. And if you find that this is really taking a toll on yourself psychologically, Mm -hmm. then definitely do not force yourself and ask for proper guidance from a healthcare professional like a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. And I certainly, you know, wouldn't treat a woman who's struggling with an eating disorder by going gluten and dairy free. That's not the first line of approach. But it's Instagram and we cannot filter who comes into our page. So it's up to the audience to decide if it's right for them. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's something you're going through, definitely you know, recognize that and try to like find something that may be a more balanced approach yeah. for you. And yeah, exactly. And like what's really unfortunate is a lot of times these eating disorders come from the doctor's the doctor offices themselves you know yeah it's the like it's initial like, trauma yeah trauma of being diagnosed like when you're diagnosed with pcos especially when you're like, if you're like really young when you're diagnosed you go into the office and then they tell you okay you need to lose weight you need to work out you need to do all this mm-hmm. eat only 800 calories a day and then they shame you, you and come then, back you haven't lost any weight yeah. everyone's yelling and then what, what <laughs> happened you got traumatized by being told to eat and basically you're 16 nothing years old yeah imagine that's usually when people are diagnosed and that's really unfortunate that's really um, unfortunate that's how it happens like you go to seek help from this doctor yeah. his office and then you you end up being demoralized and unfortunately get into to this cut carbs and an yeah. extreme amount at such a young age with no supervision then you're afraid of carbs and then like you can barely um get yourself to eat properly because now you've developed like a psychological um emotional relationship with food and that's a whole nother um issue that should be addressed privately one-on-one with a healthcare professional yeah and it yeah it's really traumatizing and mm-hmm. upsetting that it's happening at it's being triggered at such a young age starting at the doctor's office yeah 
totally and also like parents who are um doing their best to help their children and they, they just want to do what the doctor is telling them to do maybe it's a low carb diet and then you kind of scar the poor child because you're like forcing them yeah to yeah as a parent you want the best for your for your for your child for your daughter yeah. you know with pcos you want them to feel great and then you think that the, whatever the doctor says is the you know the best yeah. thing and then you try to force that down your your, your children's yeah. throat and then they end up rejecting it because it's not working age. yeah it's just yeah it's it sucks and hopefully you know through more knowledge and through more information being spread around this whole thing people are able to like better doctors are able to talk to you know um young women at a at a better with a better way with a better way honestly like introduce pcos a little bit nicer yeah luckily they can go on instagram and find us immediately also i just want to point out that women who have binging and restricting eating disorders, it can also be triggered by the terrible cravings you get from insulin resistant and yeah, having insulin resistance and PCOS. It could just be that that develops into an eating disorder because you simply cannot control yourself because your hormones are like running the show and you want to eat sugar, you want to eat sugar, you restrict it and then you binge on it. Like it's a whole thing. It has to do with your hormones sometimes. Yeah. So I just want to point out there's like multiple reasons why an eating disorder might develop. These are some. And if you're struggling with one, then and this is triggering, then certainly do a self-evaluation. Yeah. And just uh, one last thing. Uh, don't look at the gluten and dairy-free lifestyle as like this, okay, I have to cut it all out at once when I'm starting this. And that mm-hmm. that's really not what we're saying to ever do. And that can actually, you know, trigger um some you know restrictive disordered eating disordered eating too what we actually say is start slow so maybe the first week you're only cutting out the gluten bread with gluten-free bread and you're then the next week replacing your dairy milk with dairy-free milk and then you take these small steps and you eventually get to a level maybe for you it's completely cutting out maybe you bring it back a little bit into your diet and you're only eating 10% and that's good for you. It can vary. So just keep this in mind. And really that's to us, that's a more balanced approach. You're really not going on this crazy, like, okay, I'm going to cut it all out. And Mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about a, about a more balanced approach where you're starting slow, you're gauging your body. And really that's how we like to do things. We don't like to just say like, like go into it ham 100% 100% <laughs> all in. That's why we call it the gluten and dairy-free lifestyle. Correct. So if you're struggling and you have a quote-unquote cheat day, it's like, no, like that's just part of the lifestyle. Sometimes you want some dairy, you know, it's okay. Like yeah. if you feel like it didn't work out for you, then you're probably less inclined to eat it next time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's really a lifestyle change. Okay. So let's move on to the fourth one. Yeah. Some people say it's not sustainable and it's overwhelming. So like we said, yeah. this just goes into what we just Basically. said, lifestyle. This is a lifestyle and you don't have to do it forever if you don't need to. Yeah. If you think that you feel fine, you know, and you've cut, you've brought it back in after six months or something, you know, and you feel fine, all your symptoms are good, then go for it. Mm-hmm. I personally don't feel that way. 
And again, as we mentioned it before, like don't jump into it ham 100% like all all hands on deck kind of a thing. Like I yeah. know I know what, with PCOS, you want to like immediately start reversing your symptoms. You mm-hmm. want to immediately, you know, like yeah, reverse it's like a the desperate feeling. Yeah. But like that can actually mm-hmm. cause you to like feel pressured and put putting yeah. too much pressure on yourself and you're like you're demanding results from yourself yeah no no, no. what you really want to do like like we said earlier go one step at a time you'll enjoy it more mm-hmm. and yes you know the 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 results might be like coming a little bit slower but i promise you we promise you it's more sustainable with pcos yeah you should only be losing or not only but like what we recommend is like one to two pounds a week because right. that's very sustainable a lot of times people lose more in the first couple of weeks because mm-hmm. your body gets like this sudden um re- reduction in inflammation insulin insulin uh-huh. so like it really helps so like a lot of times you see that a lot of success in the first two weeks a month because your body is like yeah. you know All getting this healthy and goes stuff. away yeah mm-hmm. so, and then that even motivates you You're yeah like i'm never eating gluten and dairy again <laughs> yeah so Go slow and remember one to two pounds a week is totally fine because that's yeah. that's a sustainable approach. And if it's more too, that's that's great for you. Just remember to not put a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. Some people, like you said, want to lose weight faster. And it's mm-hmm. like crazy to imagine, oh, one to two pounds a week. You know, I have so much weight to lose and all of this. But really, it's more sustainable. Like you said, yeah. one to two pounds a week. Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, that was basically all the topics and yeah. information we want to cover about gluten dairy-free on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll do more definitely in the future. We want to do this every couple months or so, kind of give a refresher, refresher on, <laughs> on the gluten dairy-free topic. And um, without any further introduction, let's answer some hotline questions. How exciting! <laughs> Our first hotline questions. Oh my gosh, you should play the Drake music oh my to transition if into there, this there wasn't a copyright stuff i would do oh, the hotline bling every single copyright. time we did this i'll, I'll look into I'll this sing it. <laughs> no 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 they might i don't know about how this that can only mean one thing oh my goodness okay let's go into our first question hi um i was just curious if bar workouts like for like anything that has to do with like um like bar method or pure bar, if those workouts were um, right for PCOS. I know that they kind of are slower to things that like maybe I've done previously. And I know that there's a lot of um, thigh workouts and like lower body workouts um, that's attached to it. I'm just curious if um, that also is PCOS friendly. Thank you. So babe, I feel like you have a lot more experience with bar, bar, is a bar or barre? <laughs> I don't know how you say this. You thing. call it barre and it has killed me for four years. You haven't called it. It's bar. Okay. So okay. with bar workouts, what is your experience with it? I loved bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't use you don't use as heavy weights as you would if you were yeah. doing strength training. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can speak upon this. Like it's not a ten or fifteen pound type of workout. It's more like two pounds and doing mm-hmm. like these movements that are yes, you get sore and it's not um extremely like your heart rate isn't really high. Yeah. You're not like jumping around mm-hmm. the ones that I took. Um and I thought it was like very fun and relaxing and honestly like it's a nice workout you could do a few times a week. Nice. But it's not going to give you the same results as weight training. I see. Okay. Yeah. And uh, from what you're telling me, I'm, I've never done a bar personally myself, but I kind of get what you're talking about. And 
it sounds like it's a good workout and it doesn't sound like it's an intense workout. So if you're seeing results from it, then definitely continue. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Because, and yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. If you have like adrenal issues, mm -hmm. maybe this lower intensity workout is best. Yeah, exactly. And like with, with our slow weighted workouts, we kind of almost ha like have a similar approach where you're basically doing weight training. However, it's with like weights that are like maybe five, 10, 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. Again, not heavy, but you know, heavier than a bar. But this allows you, you know, the muscles to be engaged and doing the slow weighted approach. It doesn't increase the heart rate. It doesn't increase the breathing. So you're able to keep the stress levels low, keep the cortisol levels lo low. Mm -hmm. And as I've uh, mentioned it or as we mentioned it on a podcast before, basically when you do intense workouts, this increases your stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And normally uh, this is actually a good thing because it puts your body into fight or flight mode, which helps you perform better. Right. However, for women with PCOS, you're not able to lower those stress hormones back down. And then what happens is, is those stress hormones stay elevated for a day, sometimes multiple days. Mm -hmm. And what this can lead to is agitation, anxiety, anxiety, feeling fatigued. You wake up and you're completely drained of energy mm -hmm. or you wake up and you're completely agitated. And this can actually lead to inflammation. It can lead to weight gain, weight plateau, not to mention like, you know, you're not happy basically. Yeah. So that's why we recommend doing slow weighted workouts. And so, yeah, if you're liking the bar workouts, but maybe you're not seeing the results that you want. Yeah. It may be that you're, you may need to like kind of go into a more slow weighted workouts where you're kind of doing using Heavier, 10, 15 yeah. pounds again, no more than that. Um, unless you want to. And yeah, that should be a bit more, um, effective for PCOS weight loss. I like that it's, a, she's mentioning that it's like lower body, mm. you know, legs and stuff. Yeah. That's great for insulin resistance because your cells are going to, you're going to build more muscle and that's mm -hmm. going to, you know, decrease the amount of sugar in the bloodstream and that's going to help with improving yeah. insulin sensitivity. So we like lower body workouts. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how strong your legs are. Mm -hmm. So like going a little bit heavier, like maybe 10, 15 pounds in each hand and doing squats and things like that will really help develop the your uh, lower body muscles and yeah you know, and really your good. stomach area as well oh, yeah, as a yeah. result 100 percent. because yeah. i know that's a major you know everyone's always asking how do i get rid of belly fat yeah and most people think that you're just gonna do ab workouts every day for two right. hours but that's really not the the case because no matter which part of your body you work out your body will evenly um, pull fat or pull resources from other parts of your body to help develop muscle mm -hmm. and help burn energy, help burn fuel for your body. So don't feel like you have to focus on just one part. Obviously, if you just do like chest or bicep workouts, you're going to grow those areas and make them, you know, bigger. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to like reduce fat in certain areas, you don't have to do workouts specifically in that area. You can just do all full body workouts and that will evenly Definitely. pull resources from everywhere. You said it, babe. Remember, you can ask us uh, your questions at our hotline, one eight three three ask pcos and we'll be reading them or playing them on the podcast just like we did and answering them as best as we can. That's right. So moving on to the last part of our of the episode is the win of the week. Our favorite part. Yes. Or I should say we have two wins this week, right? Yeah, I couldn't choose. And I was like, why not? <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. We get so many and we have so many screenshots. It's like, why read one? That's true. Let's read them all. <laughs> no. Okay. So Elizabeth DM'd us saying, 
It's crazy how much dairy-free has changed my life. I'm at the month mark and have lost nine pounds. Thank you so much. I wish more dietitians were like you. I'm only 20 and have been dealing with this since 13. I told my mom, who is a nurse and strong PCOS advocate, about these lifestyle changes, and she was shocked. There was such amazing results with hardly anyone talking about it. Spread the word, girl. You've (laughs) helped me so much. Wow. Thank so you. Sweet. Well, thank you for your, your kind words, Elizabeth, but great job to you. You're the one that applied the methods. You, you know, did a, one step at a time and got to got to where you are. So congrats to you. Good job. Do you want to read the next one, babe? Sure. Farhat says, hey, today is my third day gluten dairy free without Avastol as I'm waiting for delivery. But wow, I have seen big changes. I'm not always going to the kitchen because I'm hungry. I feel full for hours. I had to force myself to eat lunch. And the best part, I don't even crave sweet things at all. Not even fruit. Before, after each meal, I was still hungry and I would always grab something sweet each each time. Honestly, I wish and pray you get everything you are ever in need of. You are a life changer. (laughs) Wow, that's That's so so sweet. Thank you, Farha. And congrats to you. I mean, it makes us so happy to hear that like you're feeling different, you're feeling better. And like, you know, like it sounds like She's not worrying about this anymore. Yeah, it sounds like she has it pretty much under control. And honestly, I wish and pray that you get everything That's you ever need. Yeah, if you guys want us, our <laughs> wishes to come true, our wishes is that your wishes come true and you're managing your PCOS like a boss and just doing what you want to do. <laughs> like a boss, ladies. Yeah. All right, so that's our wins of the week. Yes. And, you know, this was a great episode. We talked about gluten dairy-free. We answered some questions. Yeah, it was a juicy one. Yeah, we read some one of the weeks. We did, we babbled about books, babbled about <laughs> Lucille Ball. I'll keep you guys updated about this book. Yeah. If I finish it. Yeah. <laughs> by the time you read, by Probably. the time you listen to this you podcast. You read a lot, so I think you will. All right. All right. Well, thank you, sisters, for tuning in. We'll be back next episode with an with a interview with Dr. Amercy. Yay! Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again. Sisterhood.